Welcome to the Vision Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast and everything happening at Vision, visit us online at visionnwa.com. I'm going to read to you from the book of Hebrews, probably one of my favorite chapters in the Bible, my favorite verses, verse 1 and verse 2 in Hebrews. I'm going to read it to you out of this, the um, complete English version. I'm sorry, contemporary English version. Sometimes there's so many acronyms, so many different versions now. It's, you, you see the acronym. and Anyway, let me just read. Uh, verse 1 in Hebrews chapter 12 says, Such a large crowd, a large crowd of witnesses is all around us, so we must get rid of everything that slows us down, especially the sin that just won't let go. And we must be determined to run the race that is ahead of us. We must keep our eyes on Jesus who leads us and makes our faith complete. He endured the shame of being nailed to the cross because he knew that later on he would be glad he did. Now he is seated at the right hand of the side of God. So here recently we have been walking through this pandemic and we've learned phrases, words that maybe weren't as important before that are now. And one of those words is essential. You know, we learned about businesses and that this business is considered essential. This business is not considered uh, essential. My, in my estimation, you know, any business that provides a good living for someone and is an honest business is essential because uh, people need to be paid. Um, so the definition, if you go and you look up the definition of an essential business on Google, it says, by definition, is one that society cannot operate without. Well, I'm here to encourage you this morning, so I'm going to pass on some courage to you, and that's this, you are essential. Every one of you. We are essential, all right? Um, so I want to look at some reasons why you're essential and, and who is essential. How many of you are moms in here? Got some moms in here? Thank God for moms. Moms are amazing. If you're a mom, you're essential. And let me give you some reasons why. You remember Mary, the mother of Jesus. You remember how the angel came and he appeared before her and he said, listen, you're going to give birth to a son. You're going to become pregnant by the Most High. And I mean, all these wonderful things. That you're, and, and, and you're going to raise this son. You're going, to name his, you're going to name him Jesus. And the angel tells her all this. And she knows, okay, that I could get stoned, you know, by everybody. This is not, I could live with the shame of being an unwed mother who became pregnant and, and here I, I'm giving birth to the king of kings, to Jesus, the son of God. But she decided to obey. So Mary was essential in God's plan, was she not? But then another thing that moms are good at is launching their children. Have you ever noticed this? Launching their children. Moms are great at promoting their kids. Kicking them out of the nest, doing what the eagles do. They kick the eaglet out of the nest. The eaglet ah, flails and falls down the cliffside. But she won't let that little eaglet hit the bottom. She'll keep bringing it up and dropping it again until it learns to soar, right? And that's what Mary did. Mary, they're at a wedding, right? And she comes to Jesus and says, they're out of wine. Now is your opportunity. This is your moment, Jesus. This is where you step up. And Jesus says, 
it's not my time. This is not my time to do this. And she turns to the servant. She doesn't even pay attention to him. Come on, moms. Doesn't even pay attention to her son. Turns and says to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. Moms are essential. Turn to your neighbor and say, moms are essential. Come on. You know who else is essential? If you're a widow, you're essential. If you have been left on the earth and your spouse has gone home to be with the Lord, you are essential. You know what? You remember Anna? Anna, her, she lost her husband very early in life. What did she decide to do? She spent the rest of her life in the temple praying and seeking God. Man, thank God for widows that pray. Thank God. I'm telling you, many of us are living good lives, good days because of the prayers of widows. Man, you think about, you think about um, Naomi and Ruth. Both of them were widowed. And then they move, uh, Ruth goes with Naomi back to her homeland, back to Israel. And, and there they are. And she has no idea what she's going to do. But what does she begin to do? She goes out and begins to glean uh, wheat and, so that they have something to eat. And Ruth takes care of her mother-in-law. But what does her mother-in-law do? She finds her daughter-in-law a good man. And his name was Boaz. And, and Ruth married Boaz because Naomi told her what to do. She helped Ruth understand the customs of Israel. And she married Boaz, and guess what happened to her? She gave birth to a man named Obed. Obed gave birth to a man named Jesse, and Jesse gave birth to a son named David, King David. Come on, widows are essential, aren't they? If you're old... You're essential <laughs> if you're old. You know, God told Abraham, he said, listen, I'm going to make you the father of many nations. And in Romans chapter 4, verse 19, talking about Abraham, it says that Abraham was not weak in faith. He did not consider his own body already dead because he was 100 years old, nor the deadness of Sarah's womb. So Abraham believed God. It says that he considered not the deadness of his body, how old he was. Too many people are talking about, I'm old. And they're in their 60s. They're in their 70s. They're in their 80s. Why? What's the challenge with saying, I'm old? Well, nothing. You can say whatever you want. But let me encourage you in something. When you're saying, I'm old, you're considering your age. He didn't consider his age. I thank God for my mom because my dad passed away in 2013. He left the earth. And I, I saw the statistics. People either live or they begin to deteriorate when they lose a spouse. They'd been married 53 years. Best friends. And my dad went home to be with the Lord. But... My mom, I'm so glad she decided to live with passion and live with purpose. And she knew that there was still potential out there that she could fulfill. And I thank God for people like that who choose to say, now I'm not old. I'm growing stronger every day. I had the privilege to do a, few, do a homegoing service for a man named Raymond. Raymond, at the time I did his homegoing service, he was 106 years old. 
When I first met him, he was 104. And when he walked in the lobby of the church, he dropped his pen. He had his Bible and his notebook and his pen fell on the floor. And before I could lean over to pick it up, he already had. And I saw Raymond. I thought he was in his 60s or maybe 70s. Now, I'm not very good at spotting age anyway, okay? So don't, don't have me guess what your age is. But, but when I found out he was 104 years old, bending over like that and picking up his pen, and he smiled real big and shook my hand, and he said, how are you today? I said, I'm great, Raymond. How are you doing, man? And he walked in and had his seat. Some, I, spent a, I spent many days with Raymond after that because, you know, it was, it was a year and a half. I got to know him. And I did home visits with him. But then when they put him in hospice, I remember when, you know, his body just began to shut down and, and finish, its, finish its race, you know. And, and so I would go and see him. You know something I never heard Raymond say? I'm old. And in my estimation, if anybody had a right to say I'm old, <laughs> it would have been Raymond. Raymond did not consider his age. And I'm encouraging you. Let me pass some courage on. Don't consider your age anymore. Right? Because if you talk to your mountain, it'll grow bigger. My wife and I, we like to bike. Uh, we bought bikes and we live next to the trail right there around Lake Fayetteville. And so it's an easy on for us. And, and we love it. You know? And so different people have different ways that they like to go when they access the trail. So where we access the trail, the switchback is not very far. And the switchback is this long, you know, it looks like that road in San Francisco that, that's all squiggly, only you go up if you go this one direction, you know, you, you, and so either way you have to go up. But it's interesting to me, the people that talk about the hills, oh, don't go that way. That's a long incline. You don't want, especially when you're tired, you don't want to, oh, don't go that way. The switchback's that way. And I'm like, listen. The more you talk about your mountain, the bigger it's going to get. I don't talk about the hill. I take the hill. Is it hard? Yes. But if you talk about it, how does that make it better? It makes it harder. Good preaching, Pastor Phil. All right. If you're young, if you're young, you are essential. Come on. How many young at heart do I have in here? Come on. Young people in here. Come on. I got some young people in here. Let me tell you, Jeremiah was young. And God used Jeremiah to prophesy to the entire nation of Israel. And I remember a guy by the name of Rick Renner. How many of you know who Rick Renner is? Some of you heard of him? Rick Renner is a missionary to Moscow, Russia. And they have a church there. And when they were building the church, they were building the building, which is they have different regulations over there. If you don't get certain things built by certain times and certain things are not done by a certain time, they can come and take your building away from you. And so anyway, so he was under pressure and just kind of stressing out about building this church building. And he was trying to build it, trying to get it done and meet deadlines. And he said, all the people had given that I thought was going to give. And I didn't know anybody else, you know, that had resources and money to give. And he said, so I didn't. And so he was beginning to stress about it. And one day he was sitting at his desk and he had his head in his hands like this. And his son walked in and he said, dad, what's wrong? And he shared with the son what was going on. And his son said, oh, dad, hasn't God proven himself to you yet? Come on, out of the mouth of babes, out of the mouth 
of children. Children are amazing. And let me tell you something. If you're young in here, you don't have to have experience to be able to speak by the Spirit of God. Yeah, big amen there. Yeah, 1 Timothy 4.12 says, let no one despise your youth, but be an example. This is your moment, young people. Be an example. To, the, uh, to other believers in word, in conduct, uh, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, and in purity. If you're young, you're essential in here. Come on, what if you've been divorced? I'm going to ask for the keys to come. What if you've been divorced? If you've been divorced, you're essential. Think about this. There was a Samaritan woman. She was at the well. Jesus stopped through that town, and he was thirsty, and he met her, and they began to talk, and he found out that she, he told her, he said, you've been married four times. He said, and the man you're living with now is not your husband, and she was, she was amazed, but you know what God used her to do? God used her to go and evangelize the entire city. The whole city came out, and they believed in Jesus because of her. I'm telling you, it's time to put some stuff behind us and to see how essential you are. What if you filed bankruptcy? Got good news for you. Say it with me. You are essential. You're essential. Let me tell you, Job lost everything, but God turned his test into a testimony, didn't he? Too often people put emphasis on what Job went through instead of what the outcome was. You can't read the book of Job without reading the last three chapters. Right? What about Jonah? If you've ever ran from God's plan for your life, you're still essential. Maybe you've run from God before. Maybe you're running from him right now. And you've put yourself in a position where you've been swallowed by a whale of a problem. And you're wondering, man, how do I get out of this? How do I turn this situation around? You do what Job did. You repent. You ask God to forgive you. God, I made a mistake. God, I ran from where you wanted me to go. I was afraid. I was nervous. I was scared. But God, if you'll turn things around, I promise you, I'll walk toward what you put in my heart. And you know what happened to Job? Or Jake, uh, Jonah, I mean? When he got done praying, that fish spit him up on the shore. I think he hit the ground running to Nineveh. But the interesting thing was God asked him again, will you go to Nineveh? And Jonah said, yes, I'm headed there right now. What if you've ever denied Jesus? You're still essential. Maybe you've denied him in some way. Maybe like Peter, you've felt the pressure to deny your faith. Maybe you haven't been in that situation like the girl in Columbine that was put, put on, on the spot. And he said, if you don't deny Jesus, I'm going to kill you right here. And man, she became a martyr for God. Maybe it's not that extreme for you, but maybe you've denied him in other ways. I'm telling you, remember Jesus sat down with Peter and he said, Peter, do you love me? And he said, do you know that I love you, Lord? And he said, feed my sheep. It's time to come back to Jesus and have a Jesus experience and let him heal the heart and set a determination that I'm going to be like Cassidy at Columbine. I'm, I'm, Jesus, 
I'm going to follow you. And I don't care what other people are doing. I don't care what other Christians are doing. I don't care what it looks like in their life. My job is to please you. That's what I care about, is pleasing you. Man, thank you, God. Maybe you've been betrayed by someone. You're still essential. Maybe it's been family that's betrayed you. Maybe like Joseph. Man, if they could have sold you, they would, but they sold you out. And you're left, and you've carried the hurt and the pain of what that family member did to you. You say, Phil, you don't understand. You don't understand how they hurt me. I cannot forgive them. Yes, you can. No, I can't. Well, you can because you're basing it on your feelings. And your feelings don't have anything to do with your decision. You know, love is a decision. Man, thank God for those moments. Thank God for those moments when the emotions are there, when Michael Bolton's playing in the background. Come on. You know, the fans blowing through your hair. Some of you don't know who Michael Bolton is. It's all good. <laughs> Look him up on YouTube. But <laughs> back in my day, you know. <laughs> but, you know, thank God for those moments. But what about, what about when your spouse is, you know, you get married and you get through the honeymoon phase and, and you wake up and you realize that she doesn't look like she stepped out of the catalog every time you wake up in the morning and neither do you and you guys have bad breath and you're like honey good morning you know I'm gonna go get some scope you know and that's that's life but what what have you stepped over into you've stepped out of emotions and you've stepped into decision I love you nothing can change that man that's how Jesus feels about you. Mm, thank you, Lord. And let me tell you, because Joseph didn't get offended at the betrayal, he didn't hold on to unforgiveness. God used him to save a generation. What about this? If you've ever considered suicide, you're still essential. When we used to travel in ministry with the 99, it was a large uh, air inflated structures, 20,000 square feet. It was a walkthrough theater that presented the gospel. And when we would travel, in the end of the production, they would walk out of a room where a local pastor gave an altar call. And people would, would pray to receive Jesus. We would see thousands of people um, come, to, come to Jesus through this production. And they would come out of that room and they would sit down with a local believer one-on-one -on -one and they would talk about the spiritual condition of their life and what was going on. Do you know every weekend without fail, we would have six to seven people on average per weekend that were dealing with suicide. They were either cutting, cutters, they, 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 would, you know, they would let us know that they signed a suicide pack. Uh, one woman in particular, she was on her way home. Things had gotten so bad, she was on her way home to, to literally murder her children and then kill herself because she didn't see any way out. She had an abusive husband. He was an alcohol, alcoholic, and her home life was terrible. She was driving down the highway. She saw the tent. Something caused her to exit. And she exited. She came, and she walked through the production. And she shared with us that story. She said, tonight, God has saved my life. Well, it would be erroneous for me to think that there are people here this morning that haven't dealt with thoughts of suicide. 
And if you have, you're not alone. Jonah dealt with thoughts of suicide. Elijah dealt with suicide. And if that's you, I want to pray for you right now. So I'm just going to ask everyone just right now, just in this moment, if that's you, bow your heads, close your eyes. I'm going to pray for you right now. I'm going to ask everyone in the auditorium to just raise your hands to God, just right where you're at. And Father, I pray right now, we come against the spirit of suicide. Lord, we thank you that you are revealing yourself to every person in here and that we see our value in you. Thank you, Father, for that value. We receive it. And we say, devil, you can't have me. My life belongs to Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Say amen to that. What about if you feel inadequate? Have you ever felt inadequate? You're still essential. Remember, remember Gideon? Man, God, he destroyed Midian and the Amalekites with 300 men. Literally thousands of men. And God did a miracle. But Gideon felt inadequate. All of us do. Let me tell you, whenever you step out into something and you have fear about it, I'm not talking about ungodly fear. I'm talking about, you know, just a natural fear of stepping out. That's good. Why? Because you're risking something. If we don't risk something, there's no reward on the other side. Do you know what I'm saying? Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end with this because I don't want to get too far because there's something at the bottom here I want to get to. So, you know what? I'm going to go there now. Praise God. Let me say this. God chose you and you're an essential part of his plan. You're a very important part of his plan. In fact, he said in Jeremiah 29 11, for I know the plans that I have for you. So they're God's plans. And let me tell you something. When I, when I came to a place in my life that I put down my plans and I set aside what I wanted to do and I said, God, I'm going to do what you want me to do. That's what I'm setting my focus on. That's what I'm determining right now to do. Do you know what happened? That was when my life drastically changed. That was when all of a sudden I went, I went on an amazing journey. That was when life started for me. And I'm telling on your side of obedience, on, on the side of obedience, that you step into there are people waiting for you to obey there's people waiting for you and I to begin to live for God so that we can minister to them yesterday I got a text from a person I hadn't seen in a very long time and they sent me a text and, and I was blown away they said, they said Phil I just want to thank you so much you don't know how you touched my life first of all I didn't even know who it was they, you know how you, just a number comes up and you get a text and you're wondering, who's this person? And so I was waiting for them to say something that I recognized, would recognize who they were. But he never did. And, and found out later who it was because he texted me back and said, oh, by the, by the way, this is my new number. But 
when he texted me and he began to say that, tears swelled up in my eyes because God took me back to the day that I decided I was laying down my plans and I was picking up God's plans because it makes a difference in other people's lives. You guys remember the old story? Remember the little boy that was on the seashore and all the, all the starfish had washed in to the shore and the little boy began to pick up the starfish and he began to throw them out into the ocean as far as he could and there was another man that was watching what he was doing and the other man decided, I, you know, I got to help this young man because all that's going to happen is they're just going to wash back into shore. And so he went and he told the boy, he said, listen, what you're doing isn't really making a difference because when you throw them out, they're just going to wash back in. I mean, that's what starfish do. It's inevitable. And he said, what you're doing doesn't matter. And the little boy threw another one. And he said, it matters to that one. I'm telling you, your life matters to other people. At the end of August, August 29th, save the date, because it'll be our last grocery distribution that we're going to get to have uh, in the summer. It's going to be the last one for the summer. And I want to encourage you uh, to be there because there's many different areas that you can volunteer in. And you know what we do? We, we have a gigantic, we have a 53-foot reefer truck. We have another trailer full of dry goods and frozen meats. And we have cars come through by the hundreds. And while they're waiting in line, we have people walking down the row, talking to each person in the car and finding out the spiritual condition of their life, finding out what we can pray with them about. And do you know that people have been receiving Jesus? We've had, through grocery distribution so far, we've had 352 people give their lives to the Lord. A church, a church our size. Other pastors are calling me and saying, how are you doing it? I said, I'm just teaming up. I mean, it's the body of Christ. It's not just us. There was five other churches that came and helped. We did one here. It was our very first one uh, here in the Jones Center. And we had 645 cars that came through. <laughs> 12,000 meals that we distributed. Uh, coming up on the 29th, we're going to be doing it at Sam's Furniture. We've partnered with them again, and we're going to be doing another grocery distribution there. And I'm super excited because it's going to be not at nighttime. And so it's, it's, it's moderate. It's not burning hot, but you're ministering to people. You're using your gift. Now I want to read this to you and I'd like you to stand and then we're going to pray. So go ahead. No, I'm teasing. Everybody stand up. How many of you remember Watchman Nee? He was an evangelist and a martyr. Uh, 1903 to 1972, he died as a martyr. And he wrote this. He said, God requires of me that I now regard all my members, all my faculties as belonging wholly to him. It is a great thing when I discover I am no longer my own, but his. If the 10 shillings in my pocket belong to me, then I have full authority over them. But they 
belong to another who has committed them to me in trust. Then I cannot buy what I please with them, and I dare not lose them. Real Christian life begins with knowing this. How many of us know that because Jesus Christ is risen, we are therefore alive unto God and not unto ourselves. Come on, I was tearing up reading this last night. How many of us dare not use our time or our money or our talents as we would because we realize they are the Lord's and not ours? How many of us have such a strong sense that we belong to another that we dare not squander a shilling of our money? or an hour of our time, or any of our mental or physical powers. I just read that, and I just, man, I just went, Lord, wow. This whole thing belongs to Him. This whole, th everything. I don't own anything when it gets down to it. I mean, my wife and I, we've endeavored to live debt-free. We, we only own our home that we have. Everything else, we, we pay cash for everything. This church, everything that you see, we, we pay cash for. We don't, we don't borrow any money. But I still don't own it. So my question to you this morning is, is do you truly belong to God? Because after I read that, that messed me up the rest of the night. I couldn't sleep last night. I was just going, God, I've been selfish. I thought about me, what Phil wants, what Phil desires. What? And isn't that, isn't that what the guy did that Jesus told the parable? You remember the farmer that... He had this amazing harvest come in and it was huge. And this harvest came in and he said, I know what I'll do. I'll tear down my existing barns. I'll build bigger ones and I'll put all of this abundant harvest in there. And then I'll say, self, you have plenty of food for many, many years. Sit back, relax, drink, and enjoy your life. And what did Jesus say? He said, tonight your soul is going to be required of you. Why? Because it was all about him. I just got convicted in my heart. I said, Lord, he wants to take us to another level in him. But in order to go to another level, there's risk involved. There's sacrifice involved. Something has to die for me to go up. Thanks for listening to this week's message. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud. Just search Vision Church. If you would like to help support this ministry, you can do so at visionnwa.com forward slash give.